4: Good evening, everybody. Wednesday night, a little bit later than usual, 8 p.m. for our special uh, shout podcast, Mock Draft 1.0. We're going to go through the entire first round and bring you as much analysis and discussion around each pick with a bill slant on it, because I think that's the best way as we go through the process in the next two weeks to really work our way through where we might think the bills are headed with pick number 30, depending on all the different scenarios that can play out. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. This is a special episode, Ryan. This is uh, the week, the one-year anniversary week since we launched Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. And it has been such a fun year doing all these shows with you. Uh, And lo and behold, we didn't get to your shirt in time, but we got the the new uh, official t-shirt of the Shout Bills podcast, courtesy of 26 shirts. So, uh, really excited about that. How are you doing tonight, my friend?
3: Hey, I'm doing great. And shout out to Del Reed; always does a phenomenal job, and everyone else at Twenty Six Shirts. So that looks great. And yeah, one year anniversary of Shout, like you said, uh, great journey. A lot of great guests, including some returning faces tonight that we have on the show.
4: Yeah, so we are we brought in a panel, and we're going to do a couple of these different panel uh, episodes. Uh, to, you know, just to kind of get a different flavor of what people. You know, on the beat, and and maybe some people on the national scene, what they're kind of feeling and and projecting here with the bills as we, we move through the draft, and um, I'm going to bring them in one by one. I'm not really good. You watch a lot of these uh, video podcasts. People are really good at the at the effects and like swooshing people into the screen. I don't do that as well, but you know, we'll bring everybody in here one by one and introduce them. First up yes Whoosh. there he <laughs> is the fact, wow that was I a
2: Chris Collinsworth to, that I was tried, impressive I tried to help you there effect there I love I know it. you're you're having more than just this panel in the future but this will be the best looking panel you have definitely the best hair
4: like by <laughs> far and I'm gonna say that's because of our next guest Heather Prusa sorry Josh <laughs> There you, oh, there you go. there <laughs> go. Nice whoosh in, whoosh in. This is um <laughs> this is two-thirds of the dream team over at channel four. Uh Josh Reed, Heather Prusak. Uh the idea for this specific show is you know, we're we're, st- we're starting to put together our show for Buffalo Kickoff Live, uh, a mock draft that's gonna be live on channel four. I believe is it next Wednesday?
3: Next yeah. Wednesday.
4: Next yeah. Wednesday. And so I said, let's get them on here and let's do a fun show. And then I thought for kicks. You know, he's probably not going to be doing anything today. Let's bring on John Scott. He who's...
1: definitely is not.
4: Oh, <laughs> look at this guy. That was, that was really good. But can you find a way to just prop Otto up in the chair so we don't have to look at you for this whole show?
0: I mean, I got him right here. Okay. You know let's what's really
1: funny is that, that Otto's there. I have the real Otto down here, though. There you go. Oh, so, let's see. Hang on. Otto.
4: Oh. Where are you at, buddy? Wait.
1: I don't probably, know, he's
4: probably tired day. out from that new basement or oh, that new uh, backyard. That on in.
1: What's up, buddy?
4: So. Nah, that's, that's about how it goes down at our house. It's, um, Apollo, um, our dog is always kind of around Caitlin and doesn't really like, he doesn't come down during the show. He's with mom. And that's kind of the, <laughs> of the show, But Um, thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you guys have questions or comments as we move through the show, uh, feel free to drop them. Obviously, it's been all draft all the time the last, you know, couple weeks here as we move past free agency and into the draft that's fast approaching. Uh, I think the vast majority of us, one person from each outlet, represented. John Scott, obviously, I didn't intro him yet. Uh, Spectrum Sports, uh, in Buffalo, one of us will be at, at, down in Cleveland, and I, we're starting to kind of get back to some semblance of normalcy. I'm so excited. I mean. What are your guys feeling just off the top on that to be at an actual NFL f- event where we will we'll be able to be kind of inside and with some type of normal atmosphere? I mean, it just it feels like we're trending in the right direction here.
0: I mean, for me, uh, and I think at least one aspect of this, Josh can also relate. I mean, we're Cleveland guys. So just from that standpoint, growing up there, hearing the mistake by the lake to think that the NFL draft is being hosted Uh, in our hometown is a pretty cool thing. And and moving forward to the, you know, we got a taste of it in Kansas city, being at the AFC championship game and traveling and seeing each other and being in an opposing press box. That was nice, but this is going to be on a grander scale. Uh, and for me, it'll be my first draft that I've ever attended. Usually I'm bunkered down with everyone in Orchard park. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah. Same here. Normally we're all together. 1-1 one, one Bill's drive kind of hanging out waiting for the bills to make their pick and then hear from Brandon bean um gonna be a little different this year being in Cleveland my first time I've been to a draft as well um and it'll be cool seeing the fans just kind of gather around and walking the streets and wearing their favorite team's jerseys so it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time
4: so Heather uh you are on the clock here uh, and as I set this thing up uh, we, we basically divvied up all of the team picks and each one of us is going to draft for, you know, a couple teams. And then when we get to 30 for the bills, we're going to kind of come together and and make our case, each one of us for who we think the bills should draft, because, you know, at the end of the day, I think no matter what the situation is at 30, who's left on the board or how things are kind of progressing or, you know, move up a move down, there's going to be options. And I think how Brandon Bean attacks, this is going to be a fun conversation. So, We'll get things started, and we'll we'll bring the um, the draft board, courtesy of our friends over at the Draft Network. Uh, we, we've definitely uh, had a couple guests on from over there. Joe Marino, Jordan Reed, have been ab- absolutely awesome. If you haven't checked out their their uh, mock draft simulator, I, I highly recommend you do so. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So Heather, without any further <laughs> ado. Are you gonna change it up here, or are we gonna basically? You know, basically- I was just,
1: I was just thinking. I'm like, should I should I be like every other team where they they use their entire uh, time that they get, even though they're the number one pick? I've always said, whoever is number one overall should get like 30 seconds max, and that's right. it. I mean, if you don't know by now, like, come on. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm not changing things up. I'll make things easy. Um, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, uh, going number one to Jacksonville. Um. I mean, there's not really much to say that hasn't been said out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's the, the obvious choice. It's the one, you know, it's going to happen. And, I mean, I don't really know if we need to elaborate much more than
4: that. It's like the draft doesn't really start mm-hmm. until probably three, right, Josh? I yeah. mean, You've got two here <laughs> with the Jets. Uh, I, I, you're probably going in a very similar direction to a lot of people at this point.
2: Yeah, I feel like the consensus, number one, has been Trevor Lawrence forever. And I feel like now suddenly the consensus number two is Zach Wilson. I mean, I think, you know, those are just the no-brainer, you know, the top two quarterbacks by far. I think Trevor Lawrence is by far number one. Zach Wilson is by far number two. So I think those are the top two quarterbacks. And, of course, the Jets, you know, just traded Sam Darnold. They're right back into it trying to figure out who their franchise quarterback's going to be.
4: And Ryan, let me bring you in before we go to John for pick three here, where I think it, it does really start to get interesting. What's your take? We haven't dove too far into the kind of transition at quarterback that's expected in New York. Obviously, Sam Darnold out, we'll talk about that a little bit. How do you feel like Zach Wilson projects year one in this offense with the weapons that he's kind of walking the situation and the weapons that he's walking into?
3: Well, I think year one, you're going to see any any rookie struggle, including Zach Wilson. Uh, and that's the biggest problem that they had in New York is they never truly built around Sam Darnold. Now, th- there are some pieces there. that They're starting to build up the offensive line. They've added a few pieces uh, on offense last year. Um, so it's still going to be a slow process, though. I think that Zach Wilson has a very high ceiling. I think that he could be that franchise guy in New York year two, year three, but year one, the Jets are going to have their struggles. Just like we saw Josh Allen as a rookie have his fair share of struggles.
4: All right. Pick three. I gave you some time to think about it. I I know you've probably been stewing on it all day, John. Uh, Although I have a feeling that we might, we might get a little, a little Ohio bias here. We'll see. Where are you going with this pick?
0: Well, right. It's between presumably between Mac Jones and Justin Fields. And and the Mac Jones hype train has been hot uh, recently. And to be honest with you, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I watched a lot more Ohio State football games than I did Alabama football games, and Mac Jones had a great year. And I think he's more athletic than at least I maybe even originally thought. But, but Justin Fields, I, I, I just think he has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones does. And we saw a second pro day today, and 49ers guys were there with Shanahan once again. Uh, and, and I just think that, that this, with the ceiling of Justin Fields, the mobility that he brings. Uh, I just feel like that is the type of guy uh, that will fit well in a Kyle Shanahan offense. So I, I just am not going to believe Mac Jones is going to be the third overall pick until it actually happens. I tend to, to lean more towards Justin Fields. So that's where I'm going to go here. It it feels to me, and I like the pick and it feels to me like the ultimate smoke, smoke
4: screen. I mean, smoke screen 101 because I don't understand to your point why you would move up this far to get a guy that I think you'd you'd most likely be able to get, um, you know, maybe maybe not at where they were sitting originally. I mean, if you were that worried about him, but I just Mac Jones to me, watching what what I've been able to watch of the quarterbacks, and again, we cover the Bills. We're not we're not, we're not diving too far into it. I just think I agree with you. I think Justin Fields, what he did last year to Ohio State, um, I think people tend to forget about that as we get into. You know the non-football related part of this all, and I get that Mac Jones is a smart dude and uh, you know a good processor, which is one of the things that you read a lot about him. But Justin Fields made big-time plays at a big-time school, and I know Mac Mac Jones did too in the in, in the in the title game and everything like that. I like the pick though. Ryan, take us to uh, pick four here. Uh, this is this is an interesting one too because you know I think right now if you're Atlanta, if you're willing to roll with Matt Ryan, you could kind of step in here and get maybe the best player in this draft.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. And I I do think this is going to be a prime trade spot. I think a lot of teams could be calling the Falcons and and saying, you know, our quarterback's still on the board potentially here, or, you know, three have already gone. We need to get up and get our guy. But if I'm the Falcons, I'm staying put. I'm getting the best guy available on, on my draft board. You're stuck with Matt Ryan's contract for the next two years. You have Kelvin Ridley. You have Julio Jones make it a nightmare for opposing defenses and add Kyle Pitts to that offense. So Kyle Pitts is the pick at number four.
4: Like that pick there. Um, and for me, if I'm Cincinnati, I'm probably, I've been thinking about this a little bit today. And I, I think if you're Cincinnati, obviously the, the offensive tackle, uh, you know, whether it be Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater, uh, however you have those two, um, configured on your big board i mean the chance to maybe land a kyle pitts or even a jamar chase is one you know where you really got to give consideration there but i think at the end of the day the Bengals are going to prioritize protecting um joe burrow and i think we've seen over the years here the teams that have done that well um you know obviously the bill we cover one that you know they've done a pretty good job of it You know, the teams that have solidified their offensive line behind a young quarterback have had a lot of success. So I like that pick. And the more I hear about Sewell, for for the hype to remain on a guy who opted out and to hear, like, you know, I went and got vaccinated today, so I've been crushing podcasts for about five (laughs) hours of drive time today. And, you know, listen to a lot of people that, you know, really study the college game. And, you know, hearing the breakdown on Sewell's, 2019 season and what he was he was able to do as a 19 year old I mean to me I think this is you know I think Bengals fans might go nuts too if they don't draft Sewell here so I'm going to go Sewell even though I think Jamar Chase is intriguing so we'll 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 give it back to Heather here the Miami Dolphins this is going to be a pick I think first of all if you're a Bills fan you love that Pitts is off the board so where do you think they go from here?
1: Yeah, so you just mentioned Jamar Chase. Um, that's that's my pick for the Dolphins at number six. I think um, they're going to prioritize wanting to get more weapons uh, for Tua and wanting him – give him the best chance to take that next step in year two there. Um, you know, Chase opted out of the 2020 season, but he really had a little, if anything, to prove from the season that we saw him have in 2019. I mean, he just absolutely exploded. He's a, a contested uh, catches machine. I think I saw someone uh, phrase it, and I just love that phrase because I feel like that's really what you're getting with him. Um, I think that he's a guy that too is going to be able to put a lot of trust in, and we've seen that model of, especially in this division, what the Bills have been able to do uh prioritizing, building around Josh Allen, building around who you think is going to be your franchise quarterback, giving them the best weapons and uh, the best chance that they can. And I think that that's what the Dolphins, especially racking up so much draft capital that they were able to do um, and and getting into this position here. I think if a guy like Jamar Chase is there, which I believe he's going to be, uh, I, I don't think that they're going to pass on that.
3: I like
4: the pick. And I think I think you, you probably run to the podium to get to a, a bona fide number one there. Um, good pick. And, Josh, I'm going to throw it over to, de, for, to you for Detroit, but I have a question for you to start off with because as I'm looking down um, the line here, uh, I believe I have the Patriots. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Like what teams do you feel like are in the market for a quarterback when you look at seven – through 15 here, obviously the Patriots, you know, they, they were, they had a heavy contingent at, at a lot of these quarterback uh, pro days. They're, they're probably looking to upgrade at least long-term at that position, depending on how they view Cam Newton. Is this a spot that, you know, Detroit is either a looking to get out or, you know, a, an AFC East team like the Patriots looking to get in here and get a quarterback and Trey Lance. Cause he's the last shot really, unless they like Mac Jones too. And then maybe you can play the waiting game.
2: You read my notes. I'm done like that's exactly like the way that this draft, if this falls this way for the Lions, they're sitting in a perfect spot. They've got two quarterbacks that presumably other teams are interested in Mm -hmm. and they don't you know, they don't need a quarterback. You know, they just made the the deal to get golf. I know we're not doing trades, but this is a scenario where this is perfect for them. This played out exactly the way you're. If you're the Lions, you would want. I mean, I I had trade back or Jamar Chase if he's there, just because I think he's that good. Um, So I think you know with Heather taking you know with the Dolphins the pick before, I think that their ideal scenario now is to trade back. With that being said, since since they're not you know since we're not going to do trades here, we'll be here forever. Um, (laughs) That's true. I think I think I I think to me Patrick Sertain is, is. the guy to go with they have a need a cornerback there's a lot of really good ones in, in this draft I, I there are five or six really good ones that mm-hmm. we could be talking about starting day one and being really productive um but I I think to me he is a little bit better than maybe the next four or five
4: I like it um get certain here in here and that brings us to the Carolina Panthers Mr. John Scott, plenty of needs there. They just traded for Sam Darnold. Another spot here that if it goes like this again, I think teams, you know, you look down the board, the bears at 20, the, the Washington football team at 19, the Patriots at 15, uh, even the Broncos may be getting a little bit uh, if they're not completely sold on drew lock. And I know that there's been some reports that John Elway still believes in him and wants to kind of see what this year is going to look like, but you know, they're in a good spot. They could probably sit back here if they have similar grades on Lance and Mac Jones and just take one of them. But I could see if they like one of those guys moving up even in this spot at number nine. So what are your thoughts here?
0: I completely agree there. Um And, and what I've been looking at, obviously not overly familiar with the Panthers, Um it, but where I find myself as they stay is, you got some good wide receivers on the board. You want to find out what Sam Darnold is, and one of the main issues with things in New York was a lack of weapons around him. You have D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson. He's reuniting with that, but Anderson's in the final year of his deal, and D.J. Moore approaching. They've got to pick up his fifth-year option. So you very well could need wide receiver help, but you also want to protect him. And, And while I'm not entirely, you know, nose deep into the, the the inner workings of the Panthers' offensive line, I, I do think you could probably use uh, a cornerstone uh, on that offensive line. So I'm actually going to go with uh, Rashawn Slater.
4: I like that pick, and I agree with the process. The one thing I would throw in here is I would not be shocked that if Matt Rule, uh, despite the depth at all three, three levels of his defense, if he just doesn't say, listen, Michael Parsons is too good to pass up, I'm going to take him in this spot. Like I almost feel like Derek Brown was that for them last year. I know he was projected to them a couple times, but I think that they had some depth on the defensive line a little bit more. So, you know, I don't necessarily think that that was a, a glaring need. And sometimes you do just got to take the best player on your board, but I think, you know, you trade for Sam Darnold, you want to give him every chance. I, I, I like that pick Ryan, uh, where are you going here with Denver?
3: Yeah, you know, I think Denver's in a really good spot because before that pick, you could have looked at Slater. You could have looked at Micah Parsons. But the big thing that they're missing is the quarterback position. Drew Locke does not seem to be the answer. If you're sitting here and you still have Trey Lance on the board, I think that's the direction you have to go if you're the Broncos. You're that missing piece away, and you don't want to keep hovering around the top 10 for the next three or four years. You have some offensive talent there. Uh, at wide receiver at tight end. So get the quarterback. That's the missing piece. So number nine, I am going Trey Lance.
4: What do you think about, uh, for the Broncos, if they are still locked in on drew lock trading out of this position, especially if you, if you have a bunch of teams with those two quarterbacks now on the board, maybe picking up the phone to call. I mean, this could be a prime if the, if the draft were to play out like this to trade out of that spot.
3: Yeah. If they feel like there's still something there with Drew Locke, you're right. There's going to be a lot of teams calling them trying to move up to that spot because Trey Lance and then Mac Jones, in my opinion, to a lesser extent, are the last two uh, big names available in the first round. So they could field a lot of calls and... I just feel like they're they're probably kicking themselves a few years after passing on Josh Allen so now mm. you can get another athletic quarterback with a big arm obviously more of a complete a higher completion percentage for trey lance but competition there wasn't wasn't as great necessarily at North Dakota State only started seventeen games he did go 17 and0 though which is uh you know as good as you can get so I still think they would they would field the calls but unless they were overwhelmed you sit there and you take trey lance
4: mm-hmm I like it. Um, the one thing I would add to that is and I do agree with you, but I wonder to like as much as like there is there's been really nice things written about Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Like you really better believe in that guy. You know, if you're going to move on already from a guy that you invest Where, where do they pick Locke? Was he a second round pick actually? I don't know I'm thinking about it. I believe it was... so. Okay, so he was a second round pick. So, scratch that. I don't think it's it's as significant but either way, I mean, whoever they kind of go in on, if they go in on one of these guys here and it doesn't work out long term and, and and you're kind of left in the same situation two years down the road and you missed on a potential player, like what if Jalen Waddle turns into, you know, a, a legit playmaker or you know, Christian Derisaw is a is a top-tier left tackle? All questions that need to be asked. But I, I do like um, your logic there, going with Trey Lance. The Cowboys here is interesting because, you know, I see the interior defensive line need here on the Draft Network, uh, and and I know that typically speaking, they they really like to go out and get top defensive players uh, on the defensive line. Edge is the fourth fourth one there. One guy that I that I heard come up earlier today was Christian Barmore, the interior tackle for Alabama, and he's ranked all the way down here at 28. But wouldn't that be just something if Dallas was the first team to really shake up the draft and go uh, with this guy right here? And I think that the way that he played in the college football playoffs really raised his stock quite a bit. He was a little bit inconsistent this year, but I think it's a need. And I also, with Sertan off the board here, if Sertan was here, I'd probably make that pick. And I know that there's tons of players here and they have other needs but I just think this this is kind of a Cowboys type of pick, and I want to I want to shake things up early on in this draft. So I'm taking Christian Barmore.
1: All right, um, I'm not going to shake things up too too much. <laughs> um, so with the Giants here, um, you know, two two areas that they can uh, certainly improve in as wide receiver and edge rusher. Um, I think with. Uh, some of the weapons that they have, you know, Saquon Barkley will be back. Um, they, they address the wide receiver position adding Kenny Galladay. Um, so I think that, that glaring need for a top tier edge rusher, a guy that can come in and pretty much be a day one starter. So I'm going to go uh, with Quiddie pay uh, from Michigan. I just think that that's an area that they, they need Guys, they're going to be able to affect the quarterback. They're going to pressure um, opposing quarterbacks, and this is a guy who can come in and be that immediate impact. I think for them, so that is my pick for the Giants. There,
4: I like it, and I feel like if Quiddy Pay or the first edge rusher goes off the board at eleven, uh, that really take might take that position, you know, out of play for the Bills because. At that point, if he goes at 11, I could see a couple more teams. I could see the Chargers taking an edge rusher at 13. Mm -hmm. I could see the Dolphins taking one at 18, maybe even the Raiders. Uh, I'm going to throw this over to Josh for the Eagles here in a second, but I do see a comment in here. Wolf, that's the worst pick, Christian Barmore. And I just want to say here – do we not remember a couple of years ago when the Raiders took Clellan Farrell at number four overall? One of these teams is going to make this wolf pick. So I am just trying this to keep wolf this pick. Thing realistic. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, so now you know what? When a team shakes something up, I'm just gonna be like, Wolf, wolf pick. Wolf? Yes, wolf.
4: Have, yes, We gotta find the we gotta find the Ryan uh, uh the Ryan office uh gif. Right. <laughs> wolf. Uh go ahead, Josh. Eagles at twelve
2: yeah you know just like the lions i feel like the eagles are sitting in a good spot the last time you know i had a chance to pick here with the lions the eagles i mean they could obviously give jalen hurts a weapon on the outside right And there's a couple good ones left you know the guys from alabama but i think at number 12 micah parsons is the guy the last Mm -hmm. time the eagles took a harrisburg kid it was some guy named LaShawn mccoy that worked out just fine So they keep him in the backyard. You know, I think, and I think when this and five years from now, I think when we look back at this draft, I think the three guys we're talking about are Trevor Lawrence, Micah Parsons, and Jamar Chase. I think those are the three guys that we're looking back and going, those were the best of the best. I mean, those were like by far and away the best players. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say that the, uh, the Eagles need some help on that defensive side of the ball. They've been known as a team for a while now that just doesn't sink a lot of, whether it's draft capital or or money, into the linebacker position. But Micah Parsons, I know he opted out last year, so almost out of sight, out of mind a little bit, but he is really good. And the fact that the Eagles traded back and may have gotten one of the five best players in the draft ensured themselves of another number one pick next year and a fifth round, fourth or fifth round extra this year, that's a big win for the Eagles.
4: You know, picking best player on the board at 12, and to your point, that could be I, I, one of the best players in this draft, I agree. I don't know how you pa- pass that up, but at the same time, I just – i I'm kind of – in Eagles Twitter is going to be like, if Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith are on the board – and that collection of pass catchers still exists in Philadelphia and they don't take one of them. I think it'll be fun to watch that. that thing I think burn. they'll
2: be okay because if it is Micah Parsons, it's a Penn state guy and you there have you a go. lot of crossover there. Now, if Micah Parsons and the Alabama guys are on the board and they go a different direction,
4: <laughs>
2: the, the streets will be on fire in Philly.
4: John Scott, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, the Los Los Angeles Chargers, where we thought maybe Brian Dable would uh, leave the Bills to go become their head coach. That did not happen. And uh, I actually just saw a – I put up a Davis Webb story today. Cheap plug. Go go read that, please. It's a really fun one. I enjoyed writing it. Um, But, you know, people are starting to kind of pontificate about, you know, what's next when this Bills coaching staff really starts to get plucked, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball, you know, Ken Dorsey, obviously the impact that he's had and you know, what would happen. And people are asking about um, Davis Webb and where he might fit into those plans. I still think he's going to play for a couple of years, Uh, but obviously they went with a defensive coach. uh, And so I'm I'm interested to see if that plays into things here. What what do you got the Chargers doing, John?
0: Well, a defensive coach who uh, was at the university of Dayton, the exact same time I was. Mm. So uh, go Dayton Flyers. I like it. uh, so, Parsons was on my radar uh, because I I think they could use more dynamic playmakers on defense. Where my thinking is, is yeah, they have Keenan Keenan Allen. He's a lot younger. He's not even close to really 30, uh, late 20s. So he's not going anywhere. But Mike Williams entering the final year of his deal, I I honestly think he's been a disappointment for them. So you could certainly look at these two Alabama wide receivers. And then defensively, Chris Harris Jr. on the other side of 30, one-year deal. Uh, could they use help at cornerback? So I'm looking at the two Alabama wide receivers as well as J.C. Horn, who I actually profiled today, um, at cornerback. But ultimately, you know what? I'm going to go wide receiver here. I'm going to go Devonta Smith uh, because I I think you pair Keenan Allen uh, with another dynamic weapon. Uh, I I think that that's the way to go here to provide Justin Herbert – as many weapons as you possibly can.
4: I like it. And that will take us to the Minnesota Vikings at 14, who, you know, I think have some, have some needs. I mean, they took Justin Jefferson last year. They still have Adam Thielen. Uh, I think I was listening to something today. Um, Courtney uh, Cronin, who covers uh, the team for ESPN, you know, Mike Zimmer wants to get this defense right, and so defense is probably in the crosshairs at this spot. Ryan, how do you think the, the Vikings go? Because I think they low-key could also be thinking quarterback too just because, you know, they, they have Kirk Cousins. I understand that, but it's been pretty blah with him, and maybe you start building for the future on a rookie deal. What do you think?
3: Yeah, you know, I actually talked to someone that, that covers the team, and they, they surprised me a little bit. They, they said offensive tackle and edge for the first two uh, positions they could see the Vikings going, and they said wide receiver for number three, which you know, like you said, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Uh, but the, but they said, you know, he's going to be in shootouts, having a third wide receiver is available. And, and I'm looking at who's on the board still. And if I want to go offensive line, Christian Darasaw makes a lot of sense. If I want to address the defense, probably want to get some more pressure up front. And I and I love Jalen Phillips, and then there's still Jalen Waddle there. I would be torn on all three of those picks, but like you said, Mike Zimmer might want to get that uh, defense in line. So I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips out of Miami.
1: New man on the Minnesota Vikings.
3: That
4: is, um, I I had
1: had to, I had to.
4: (laughs) I like it. I like it. Um, Yeah, that. uh, Like I was mentioning before, when when Pay went at 11, that that really shook things up, and now you're probably looking at from a Bill's perspective, and I want to do this a little bit more now as we move into the second half of the first round. I think tracking the the kind of targets that the Bills might be looking at in terms of trading up, I I think Jalen Phillips could fit in that mold. A pay can maybe fit into that mold. Maybe one of the top corners if they have a certain guy graded uh, a certain way. But I think the more and more that you go through all these mock drafts and the different scenarios, it's probably going to be a situation where they either sit at 30 take best player available, available or move back. Although I do have a mock draft coming out with them trading up. So we'll see how that goes. The thing with Jalen Phillips is interesting is I'm really interested to get more intel on the medicals because one of the big questions with him is the concussion history and, you know, being willing to walk away from the game for a year. And I know there's questions there as well. He was very adamant in his, in his pro day press conference talking about how, you know, if, if you question that, go put on his tape from this year and you'll see the love for, for the game that, that plays out there. I was pretty impressed actually hearing him talk. So I think that that's a, a good value pick there for the Vikings. I think in most years, a guy of Phillip's ceiling potential probably doesn't last. This one's pretty easy though. I think they go Mac Jones here, get the quarterback. Uh, they're patient. And I think that in the end, this, this could be an interesting selection because – Mac Jones in a lot of ways you hate to compare anybody to Tom Brady because it's just such a you know a stratosphere that most quarterbacks don't don't ever enter but Mac Jones I mean cerebral cerebral guy that like you know really good prog- going through his progressions and making the right decisions and I think that's what you know Josh McDaniels probably is looking for um I thought a lot of times last year when Cam Newton as bad as the arm was the de- the decision making in the second half of the season was really puzzling so Mac Jones are able to develop him a little bit. They don't move up for a quarterback. And we're back to Heather, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, some needs here. Where, where are you going to go with this, Heather?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> looking at the guys that are still available, um, I mean, there's there's a there's a couple great directions that they could go because um, you know, well, wide receiver for them is maybe a little bit lower. You have to look at it as in, okay, they have their number one guy in DeAndre Hopkins, but then you look at Fitz how much longer is he going to be playing? He's getting up there. They signed AJ Green. He's always he always has injury concerns. Just signed, you know, just a one-year deal. So, um, you know, they could go wide receiver there. They also have a need at cornerback, and I see JC Horn sitting there. I really like him in this draft. But then also when you look at the Cardinals, they also need help at running back. They just lost Kenyon Drake. Um, you know, David Johnson had his injury uh, concerns as well and his injury issues, so they could use help running the ball. So there's a couple different directions. All any scenario I think would be really good for them. I, I'm 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 so torn between Jalen Waddell and J.C. Horn. Um, you know what? I, I am I'm going to go J.C. Horn though uh, for the Cardinals. There, um, I, I feel like I could have gone either way. Um, just with that wide receiver group that you look at, um, you know, adding some depth, adding a, you know, legitimate number two behind DeAndre Hopkins. But um, I'm going to go with JC Horn sitting there. Um, I think, you know, they, they have a need at cornerback. So with him sitting there, we'll go JC Horn.
4: And there it is. And Ryan, if you want, uh, let's uh, recap this thing.
3: Yeah, so we've had some requests to recap the picks thus far. Uh, Obviously, the first three picks were all going to be quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson have been the popular one, two in in mock drafts. Uh, So Jacksonville, obviously, in the Jets. Third overall pick, we have Justin Fields, who, you know, talent level uh, probably makes the most sense for the 49ers scheme fit, although there's obviously a lot of whispers about Mac Jones. Uh, Rounding out the top five are Kyle Pitts and Penny Sewell. Then from six through 10, we have Jamar Chase, Patrick Sertains II, Rashawn Slater, Trey Lance, and Christian Barmore. The last uh, few picks we've had have have included Quiddy Pay, Micah Parsons, Devonta Smith, Jalen Phillips, Mac Jones of the Patriots, and the last pick, J.C. Horn.
4: Which brings us to Mr. Reed, who has the Las Vegas Raiders at 17. What are you thinking, sir? Uh,
2: Heather ripped my heart out with that last pick. (laughs) I really was – I was
3: torn, dude. I was. uh, I
2: was really banking on J.C. Horn being there. My notes are literally, Raiders, fix the defense. Because defensively, (laughs) they were god-awful. They allowed almost 30 points a game. They can score. They can pl- offensively, they're fine. Defensively, they are a dumpster fire. So my notes are <laughs> Micah Parsons, who I gave to the Eagles, and J.C. Horn, who Heather just took. <laughs> so the, the other thing that I did notice about them was that they needed they need some help at tackle. So I, I think that's the direction I'm going to go with them, and I'm going to give them Christian Derisau, uh for Virginia Tech, who, to me, everything that you read about him – you know, he is, you know, top top two or three right right in that area when it comes to offensive tackles. Seems like he is a plug-and-play guy. Like, he's going to be ready to start immediately, if not at left tackle, at right tackle, because they'll kind of bring him in. You see it all the time with rookie offensive linemen, tackles in particular, that they start him on the right side, get him a little seasoning, flip him over to the left side. So I'm going to go that direction because – I just completely – and, and <laughs> I love Aziz Ojale. I love him, and I'm hoping he's on the board for the Bills. So I'm going to leave him out there, to that dangling
0: fruit.
4: <laughs> there you go. John Scott at 18 for the AFC East Miami Dolphins. What do you got?
0: Right. Can you remind me who was picked for them earlier? Sorry. I know he yes, just said this. Yes, it was Jamar uh, Chase. Jamar Chase. Chase. Okay. Uh, so um, – You know, I I better be on point here. I know Sean is really questioning our abilities here, so I'm going to lock in. Uh, And I I think, uh, let's see here. Uh, Well, I don't, this guy's intriguing to me um, because he he kind of has a similar conversation that Cody Ford had, and that's uh, Elijah Vera Tucker in regards to wondering whether he's a, an interior guy. I know the, the draft network lists him there, but he did play tackle as well. So uh, I'm going to go this direction. Again, when you discuss the young quarterback, you want to protect him. Uh, so, so throw in a versatile guy and see if, if you can build, uh, whether it's at guard or tackle.
4: All right, sorry. I was dealing with Sean in the comments here. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to this. I was trying to run the uh, the, the draft board here and, and and look at other things. Um, yeah, I've I've come to realize the last couple of days that draft commenters can get really fired up really quick, and that's fun. Like this is listen. It's it's a boring time of year for NFL fans. I mean, it's it's exciting because the draft's coming out, but I think you know we're we're a couple months removed from games, so I get the passion is there. But yeah, let's be respectful in the comments, guys. Come on now. Uh, we're just trying to have fun, get getting uh, getting after it. So, who'd you pick here, John? Uh,
0: I I went USC lineman Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, yes. to keep protecting uh, Tua, for the three quarters he'll play every game, right? No, no, Oof. Fitz is gone.
4: Yikes! Yikes! Um, I, I, Tua looks Tua looks plugged in. I, I like what I'm seeing on him. I'm excited to watch his progress progression in year two. I've been pretty critical of him. I mean, we talked about you know his kind of disappointing play last year, but Listen, man, like, again, like, I think sometimes I do it and I, I warn people against this and I do it myself. It's like you saw how bad it was for him last year at times, and it's like, man, maybe that was just an absolute miss. But listen, coming off, no offseason coming off of that injury that he came off of, I'm going to reserve judgment. I want to see one more year. Hopefully Brian Flores does it the right way. Well, maybe not hopefully for Bills fans watching, but uh Ryan at Washington football team pick number 19.
3: I'm going to break some hearts here, Matt. I'm going linebacker. A linebacker that a lot of Bills fans want, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. I think he's a good fit in this defense. He's the type of player that would thrive with Ron Rivera. Uh, Just makes too much sense at this point. I think that uh, they obviously would like a quarterback, but there's no one really there at this point in time. Offensive tackle, there's still a few options out there, but linebacker was the other need of the big three that I had listed. So Owusu-Koromoa is the pick.
4: I like the pick there uh, for Washington. Um, Obviously, you know a lot about Mr. Uh, J.O.K. Playing out of Notre Dame. Ryan is a uh, big-time Notre Dame homer. Uh, So (laughs) I I knew he'd come in here early and often. Something I I have been hearing, though, is that I think that the Bills – like this would be a really interesting player if you were there at 30. But I think that there are some concerns from people I've talked to around the league about taking him too early. And I don't know, depending on the right team and the right bit, 19 might work. I mean, this is not a very top-heavy defensive draft. Like, you know, you're you're going to see probably the majority of the first round offensive players. I just think that that's the way it's going to play out, depending on how many cornerbacks go, so on and so forth. But this is a guy that if you use him the right way, man, Um, whew, I mean, you know better than anybody that he could be a real game changer. And I think that if he's there at 30 – for the Bills, I mean, that could be a situation. Unless you're talking about another top edge rusher or top cornerback, that could be an easy pick, so we'll see. Uh, the, the Chicago Bears, yikes. Uh, yeah. What are they going to do to fix that situation? Because, obviously, we see that number one need at quarterback. Uh, they got to start to build their offensive line for whoever is going to end up uh, throwing passes there. Um, ugh, man, I, this is a really tough one. kind of snuck up on me. Kind of forget about the the Chicago Bears, which is a shame because obviously being a UB UB grad, uh, about
2: the Bears.
4: Yeah, I mean
2: one of the biggest be, markets in the NFL. And I like, know, oh, but
4: that's what happens. Bears. It's like it, they're just not a very good team, and it almost like watching them. I felt like last season was like kind of like a punishment when they landed on national TV. It just they're just not a very good team. There's not really any quarterback options here. I would even look for. Maybe trading back, accumulating more picks if you can. Um, you know they have Allen Robinson on the franchise tag there. Wide receivers sticking out on the board. I mean, I think at this stage, depending on how you want to approach this and what your plans are for Khalil Mack long term. Obviously, we see Aziz Ojolari, uh sitting there and at, 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 uh, the third best prospect on the Draft Network's board. But I think Waddle at this point in 20. I've seen him going as high as like six, seven in some mock drafts. Um, it's a talented guy that can kind of do a lot of things. Some people think he might be even the best wide receiver coming out of Alabama. So, although it's not, a, I don't think, a major need, I know it's number three on this, and they could probably do other things. I just think it's the best player available situation. Going Waddle at number 20. That brings us to the Colts. We have to replace Anthony Costanzo, but I don't. We'll see. I think there might be one on the board. What are you thinking, Heather?
1: Yeah. So um, I actually just went through that same thought process that you just did with Waddle still on the board because when it comes to the Colts, as you mentioned, they need to uh, replace replace Anthony Costanzo uh, who just retired. They need uh, to protect their new quarterback and Carson Wentz there. Um, so, but when I saw Waddle there, I'm like, if he's still there and you don't take him. Um, there, you have to take him. He, he's the, he would have been the best player on the board there. So while they don't have a glaring need at wide receiver, they just, you know, T.Y. Hilton's back. Um, you know, I, I would have taken him as well for the Colts there, but yeah, as you mentioned, I am going to go, um, I'm going to go an offensive tackle and I, I might go a little bit, a little bit, um, you know, out of order here. I'm actually just kind of some of the research I've done and um, looking at some different guys uh, i'm going to go with uh sam Cosme from texas um because this is a guy that you know he with with such a deep class when it comes to tackle here um we've seen so many off the board already uh it seems like he would have been maybe in any other year uh he would have been up in you know higher in the first round there um but it's just such still great value here with him um they have a glaring need at offensive tackle um you know, they got to protect Carson Wentz blindside there. So I'm going to go there maybe a little bit again, um, kind of out of order, whatever. But um, yeah, that's where I'm going with this one. I,
4: I really like this pick because, you know, Tevin Jenkins obviously sitting at the top of the board. He's somebody that's been slowly moving up. And you see these draft crushes within the draft community every year. Guys that you know they that, you know, analysts really start to like. They start diving deeper into their tape. But who knows? I mean, from an NFL perspective, we've seen this year after year where the guy that you think is going to go in a certain place doesn't end up going for sometimes a round later than when they were projected. So I really like this pick. I think it shakes things up a little bit. It'll take us to 22 in the Titans. Mr. Reed. what do you got?
2: Yeah, I know there are a lot of needs that are ahead of edge rusher for the Titans, but I think Aziz Ojolari, I just got done. I finished watching a little bit of his video from – Georgia I mean this guy is a missile coming off the edge he Mm -hmm. might be and you read stuff on him he might be the best pure pass rusher in the entire draft he had eight and a half sacks last Uh, I want to see make sure I have that correct I believe he had eight and a half sacks this season Mm -hmm. that's unbelievable he forced four fumbles and this guy is a quarterback's worst nightmare um I I think he's a good fit for the Titans who like to be aggressive on defense Um, yeah, and I hate to do that because I think he'd be such a good fit for the bills. Now, with that being (laughs) said, I think this is a spot where the bills wouldn't have to give up a whole heck of a lot if they were in love with a guy like this to trade up. If it's five, six, seven spots, you know, what do you give up a third rounder, maybe maybe Mm -hmm. a second? And if you got that guy that you think, hey, we need to get younger and better at pass rushing and getting after Patrick Mahomes, right? That's the whole goal of this exercise, finding a way to beat the Chiefs. Uh, but Aziz Ojulari, I just think, is too good for the Titans to pass up. And I think he, right now, is the best player on the board.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I think that if you're a Bills fan, even though you, you're you probably hoping that Ojulari is in play or Phillips is in play, you probably like this in this scenario that the Jets don't get to call his name. Because if you look over in New York right now, in New Jersey, excuse me, um, they're building quite the defensive line, Mr. Scott. So uh, what do you think about where they're kind of situated here to make this pick? And I think they can go in a number of different directions.
0: Right. And the two directions, they really have invested in their defensive line. Uh, They still need help when you move back a couple layers. Uh, Jared Davis is a young player, obviously CJ Mosley. We know what he can do, but I, I think they do have a whole, At least one uh, that we at cornerback, and so I I look at Greg Newsom. But at the same time, uh, while they invested in bringing in Corey Davis, you know Tevin Coleman is Tevin Coleman. He he's he's not the long term answer at running back. So Mm. uh, that's and maybe they learned from their previous mistakes surrounding or a lack thereof surrounding Sam Darnold with the appropriate weapons from the jump. So you know what? I'm going to go Travis Etienne here, um, and, and that, that gives Zach Wilson uh, a nice little complement of pieces there between Etienne, you throw in Tevin Coleman, Corey Davis. I, I've always been a Jamison Crowder. We'll see what Denzel Mims is. Uh, so I, I like – I think that's a solid group that you can feel isn't going to hold Zach Wilson back.
3: I like it. Ryan at 24, Pittsburgh Steelers. Running back run. Here we go. Back-to-back running backs. If <laughs> if, if you watched the Steelers last year, they could not run the ball. Uh, that was their biggest issue. And obviously, if you watch the Steelers, you know that Ben Roethlisberger is not Ben Roethlisberger anymore. You can't depend on him and his arm to, to carry you to wins anymore, so you need some balance there. Najee Harris is still on the board. You take Najee Harris – Uh, you're a little more balanced this year. You still hope that that combination by having that run game back can help the Steelers contend in their division and make a run to the playoffs.
4: All right. We're up to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if one of those um, edge rushers of the three that were drafted already, I'm seeing a lot on Jason Owe and I, I know he had this unbelievable pro day and who knows you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not studying the college game. Like a lot of these guys are, I've, I've read as much as I can on them. And the, the worry that I have with him is the lack of production, albeit the, the ability to, you know, impact the pocket and all those fun things that, you know, uh, the X's, X's and O's guys like to, to talk about, you know, the sack production wasn't there. And Josh, I think you made a great point on ojalari you know, he is in, you know, in the SEC, a proven playmaker that, you know, gets the job done. So Owe is an interesting case, like how much do teams value him, where he's going to end up going in this draft? I mean, I was listening to pro football focus today, their podcast. I think, I think whatever you think about PFF, I think Mike Renner does a good job with, uh, you know, breaking down the tape and giving a, a good, you know, uh, elaborate breakdown on a lot of these players. And um, you know, he was talking about OA and that he's their number two edge rusher in this class. So uh, I guess from my perspective, I'm not so sure, depending on what you start to hear uh, as we con- continue to have talks with you know, league sources and different things like that. We'll see how this plays out. But this is a spot at 25 where I think the Bills, if there's a player on the board, this is kind of the range where it starts to maybe trade out. Maybe you don't have to surrender that second-round pick, which I think is a valuable potential starter, depending on who's there, uh, when you get there at 61, and that'll be uh, for another night. But I think because we're staying here and – Um, I think Jacksonville has to do their best to surround um, Trevor Lawrence at this point. And I was thinking about wide receiver, and there's a couple here that I think would be interesting. I think Elijah Moore, there's a lot of hype around him all of a sudden. He's somebody I think would be an intriguing option to throw into the mix. But they just drafted – Uh, Last year, LaVisca Chenault, who's also kind of that Swiss Army knife type of player, so I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. They could probably take a receiver here, but I think you go to the offensive line with a young player, you take Tevin Jenkins, and you move on. All right, Cleveland Browns on the board. Heather Prusak, what do you got?
1: So when it comes to the Browns and looking at, you know, some of their biggest needs, one area that they struggled in last season was their depth at cornerback, which actually um, is the direction I want to go for the Browns. And that actually happens to be um, according to the board, the next best player available. I'm going Greg Newsom from Northwestern um, because yeah, they had a lot of injuries at this position last season. Now, they could, you know, when it came to, uh, you know, to their defense. You talk about uh, the biggest acquisition being uh, Jadavion Clowney, so they addressed it, an area there, um, an edge rusher, um, their defensive line, um, boost their run defense, all that. So when it comes to cornerback, I like Greg Newsom here, especially you know his size, six foot one, 190 pounds. Um, you know the, his size alone is uh, really stands out in that aspect. One thing though that, you know, when it comes to him is I, you know, I just mentioned the fact that they dealt with a lot of injuries at this position last year. Uh in college, he didn't play a, he never played a full season at Northwestern when he was dealing with some injuries. So obviously the topic of durability, um, that has to be a concern and maybe a red flag there. Uh, but it's something I, I don't think it's it would be enough to have them shy away from. I was also maybe looking at um, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, but he just recently, uh, I believe, underwent you know, some kind of back surgery. So I feel like that might be way more of a question mark than a guy who um, you know had some injuries in college previously. So I'm going to go with Greg Newsome. They, they addressed that need at cornerback, adding some more depth there. Um, yeah, it's my pick for the Browns.
4: Instant analysis from the Browns fans in the room. What do you think about this pick? Because I, I think it's it's great. And I, I also loved, Heather, your uh, explanation of why you don't go with a Caleb Barley here. I, I have a feeling, guys, that Caleb Barley, as good as he has the potential to be, the more and more I read up on the injuries that he's had, these two back issues, you know, I, I don't know how you can trust drafting him in the first round at this point. I mean, Those are serious, wrong, that's I a I serious
1: issue, too. I mean, that's nothing to mess around with. It's not like it's a uh, – you know, something minor that you can recover from quickly. I mean, back injuries, that's no joke.
0: It's um, funny. It's funny the way she put it because I literally was texting with one of my best friends today about the Browns pick and cornerback and wide receiver were, were, was the conversation. Um, and the, because I, I had a feeling the way the board's going to play, I, I you know, and I said, edge Rusher, still, I saw someone, uh, put out there, do you think edge rusher? So I, I think it is similarly. I, I think, yeah, if, if Newsom's there, it's the best cornerback available. There's still some some nice edge options, and the, the wide receiver class is deep. And so the, those are the three areas I would look. And, and even though they picked Greedy Williams, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, and, and so, and you can never have enough depth at that position. Uh, they, John just checked every box that I was going to mention. I mean,
2: (laughs) to your point, you just said it. You can never have enough cornerbacks in the league anymore. And you get a chance to add one that, you know, has a chance to, you know, compete for a starting job immediately, uh, you know, on the other side of Denzel Ward, assuming Denzel. And that's another thing. I mean, that's a guy, that struggled to stay healthy at times. So, I mean, I, I, you know, then it's strange to say this, but the Browns don't have a ton of holes on their roster. (laughs) It's almost like it's strange to say with the bills, but you know, much like the bills too, they're looking for that guy that can star on the opposite side of a a corner that they've already got in place, a cornerstone guy. So I think it's, I think it's a great pick by the,
4: by Heather. All right, John, the Baltimore Ravens are up. I think
2: that's me. I think I agree. Josh. Yes. I'm going out of order here. Uh. I for every thing that you mentioned earlier, Matt, I'm really gun shy of Jason Oway. I just, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, he's that guy that tricks teams into picking him, and then just because he goes off, a workout warrior type of guy. You know, what I'm gonna give them. And now, great. With that being said, the Ravens. This is the type of guy the Ravens would take, right? And would have 14 sacks his rookie season. And everybody would go, oh, well, why are they the smartest team in the NFL every year? But I'm going to give them an interior offensive lineman, Creed Humphrey, who, let's face it, if you watch the Bills playoff game, which I know everybody did, then had a little problem getting the ball from center to quarterback, right? Slight issue. Well, this clears that problem up because I know the Bozeman guy, they kind of had moved from guard to center, right? Well, then he can go back to guard. This is a guy that To me, Creed Humphrey's a guy that you plug in at center and probably plays for a decade for the Ravens.
4: I like it. Um, John has got the Saints at 28. What are you
0: thinking? Uh, I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman, uh, a guy who I think you now pair him with another former Big Ten wide receiver in Michael Thomas, and, and that maybe eases the transition from Drew Brees to whether it's Jameis Winston or whomever ultimately lands behind there this year and moving forward. I think that's a good place to go. Uh, especially when outside of Michael Thomas, they also lost Emmanuel Sanders, obviously to the bills. I mean, I'm looking at Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, Lil John Humphrey, Juwan Johnson, Deontay Harris. Like I, I, that doesn't sound like a, a a very threatening wide receiver group uh, for Jameis Winston to try to not throw thirty interceptions to once again. So uh, I think this is another way for them to 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 add some top tier talent offensively as they transition away uh, from Drew Brees at quarterback.
4: All right, Ryan at twenty nine, and then things are going to get um, they're going to get a little heated in here. I think once we start everybody. <laughs> Pound pounding the table for who they think the Bills should take. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah,
3: I'm torn between two prospects here. I'm torn between an offensive lineman and wide receiver. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that the Packers were going to go wide receiver last year when they obviously traded up and it ended up being Jordan Love. But they did just lose their all-pro center. I know they have some internal options there. I just think that maybe they're not thrilled with those internal options. And they go with Landon Dickerson out of Alabama. They upgrade that center position based on who they lost and who's still there. And it might not make Aaron Rodgers happy, but this is a deep wide receiver class. They can find that wide receiver to play alongside Devontae Adams and company in round two.
4: All right. We're here after almost 60 minutes of fun draft banter. The the, the real discussion begins. and. Who's ready to step up to it that they've been waiting and sees the name on the board that they're ready to to run to the
0: podium for? Just step right up. Can you show me the edge rushers available real quick?
1: Just just in case I
0: don't – just in case I miss someone here. Um. Uh,
1: Nope. (laughs) 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 Uh,
2: That's a big – if if Brandon Bean is sitting here looking at all these names, at 30 he's going to go, sure wish we traded up. (laughs) uh you know what hold on real quick john i want to say something real quick before we did this i was like you know this will be something kind of interesting to have i think when we get to 30. so i came up before we started this i came up with five guys that i thought would be on the bills kind of wish list i you know obviously jc horn's not going to be there right we knew that he wasn't going to be there There there's some guys that sure you can wish that but it's not going to happen I had Barmore as being a guy that in an ideal scenario, you know, because I just think I know everybody's really focused on the edge for the bills, I, the, the interior of the defensive line, I think has a lot of question marks as well. I thought uh, as he's O'Jale, I know I've said it a thousand times already. I just think he's really good. And that would have been somebody that would have been nice to trade up and get JC Horn would have been great. I think Etn's still a, a possibility. I do yeah. too. I, I, I do too. Right? right, Heather? I think that Yeah, yeah. I think that he just gives them, I think he's a luxury a little bit of a pick, but man, he makes that offense pretty dynamic. And then the other guy who's still there that I have on there, and I, Heather's right, Farley's injuries are a concern, but to me, Caleb Farley, there's way too much upside at 30 to, go, to not go. You know what? We got to pull the trigger on him. And let's face it, if the Bills training staff has shown anything in the last couple of years, they can get guys healthy and they keep them on the field. So I, I think to me right here, Farley is, is the route that I would go. Yeah. Um, and you just cross your fingers that your medical staff has done enough background on them and, and, it, and it sticks.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think if you're – oh, sorry, go ahead, Ryan.
3: Okay, if I were sitting in Buffalo's position, and I know we haven't done any trades, I'd be looking to trade down just a few spots. I agree See if there's someone that wants to come up there to get that player for the fifth-year option alone because I am focused in on the cornerback position, and I do echo what Josh says. I had Caleb Farley as Buffalo's pick in my last mock draft. This is someone that was talked about as a potential top-10 pick at one point. The Bills have built their roster to the point now where Brandon Bean can roll the dice on a player like this. And if you get someone opposite Trey White that can lock down opposing wide receivers, that's going to make your pass rush, which is still pretty iffy, uh, that much better because the quarterback has to hold the ball longer. He has the size, the speed, the athleticism. Now, if you want to trade down, there are three other cornerbacks or maybe it's still Farley if he's still there a few picks later. They have met with Asante Samuel twice. Not the same type of cornerback necessarily. Uh, good bloodlines, though, makes some sense. Eric uh, Eric Stokes makes sense to me. Uh, you melafawanu and I know Syracuse guy, some mock drafts first round, <laughs> some second round, size, speed, athleticism. I like him as well. So four cornerbacks, I'd be happy with any of them in a trade-down situation. If I'm staying put, though, I'm pounding the table for Caleb Farley. Hmm. John kind of silent
4: there what, no, okay what are you thinking? Uh,
0: well I don't uh, I don't disagree with the Farley pick. To me, the bills while not being negligent, the way the roster is currently constructed and the window that they are working in here, I feel they can roll the dice a little more with this selection than in years past because if it doesn't hit well it, there certainly will be ramifications they won't be ultimately crushing for the way that the roster is constructed. So that's where I know there's been issues and, and discussions on Jason away, but I, you think he can be a bit of a project. I mean, he understands that he still has a ways to go and the way the defensive front is constructed with Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison and AJ Epinesa, just to name a few, Jason away does not need to come in here, play 60% of the snaps and get you 10 sacks, A season. That doesn't need to happen right away. But then there's another side of me that has been banging the drum for wide receiver. And I know that position is deep, but when I've run through mocks, while it's deep, the ones that I would really be interested in actually are not there by the time the Bills pick in the second round. So I'm torn. And just for fun, I'm going to pick Elijah Moore from Ole Miss because I do think you cannot look at wide receiver in 2021 on this roster. You need to look at it in 2022 and beyond. And Cole Beasley's 32, Emmanuel Sanders, Isaiah McKenzie, they're one-year deals. So it's very possible a year from now we could be having this discussion and your wide receivers are Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis with Cole Beasley 32 and in the final year of his deal. Uh, if anyone in the NFL as an offensive coordinator can handle a multitude of weapons offensively and utilize them to their fullest, it's Brian D'Abel. Uh, so I think Elijah Moore is a very intriguing pick who also now can help you in special teams in the return game as well. I want to push it over to you, Heather. What, what are you thinking here?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mentioned Caleb Farley before, and I think that if, if, if the situation you know not not to agree with you know have 3 of us picking him but i just like that position where if that's where they are and we're not talking about trades or moving up or moving down if they were just standing pat and they have this pick i like Caleb Farley now i know what i said when it came to um you know the the browns not picking him but that was also a scenario where they had two options to pick from where it was Greg Newsome and Caleb Farley. So um, I I think that if this is the situation, I I would go with that as well. Um, Just because, you know, we, we talked so much about, you know, that the chiefs being the golden standard and they're chasing them. And, you know, when it comes to defensively, well, they need to find edge rushers who can get to Patrick Mahomes and pressure him and make him feel uncomfortable. Uh, They also need corners Outside of Tre'Davious White, that can you know shut down or at least contain the weapons that Patrick Mahomes has around him. So um, just kind of echoing even what we've said about other picks, you can never have enough depth at that position. And even you know the Bills have seen that over the past couple of years, dealing with different injuries here and there um, at cornerback, and they still have that question mark of who is going to start opposite of Tredavious White, even though Levi Wallace is back, um, you know, that could change. So uh, I think if if they're standing there, that's where I would go. But, you know, we don't have enough time to get into trades and all that because there's a bunch of different guys, kind of as Josh mentioned in the beginning of all this, uh, when we started talking about the Bills, there's a bunch of different guys that I would like to see, um, you know, if they're there, Brandon Bean go get. Um, You know, I I still think Travis Etienne is – it could be in play for the Bills. Um, I know that that's been a heated discussion amongst Bills fans um, with him, but I, I just, I love what he brings. The Bills have struggled to run the ball. That was a big emphasis at the end of the season. It's an area they need help in. And when you talk about, you know, trying to add even more weapons and pieces to the offense, um, he's a guy, you know, they just added Matt Brito when you talk about that speed aspect. But um, I I would just be so intrigued to see, how ETN would fit in here and how Brian Dable could utilize a guy like that just with his skill set and, you know, just the different things that he can do and bring to an offense. So, um, you know, getting ahead of ourselves here, but, um, but yeah.
4: Here's something I want to set up a little bit and get everybody's thoughts on it because I think what we're going to see in this scenario specifically is we're going to get a glimpse if they make the pick into – what they've taken the last two months of time in film study and talking amongst themselves as a coaching staff and front office at where they do need to improve the most to beat the Chiefs and to catch up to the Chiefs, if you will. If there's even that kind of separation going into year two, whatever that separation looks like. And here's where I kind of get to thinking at, at this pick 30, if they stay here and they make the pick, is what player can help them the most in that kind of like that pursuit of closing the gap. And if the defensive player isn't there and the questions are there for Farley and you're not hundred percent sure, maybe to John's point, you do make that decision to add another weapon because in a, in a rematch, you're going to need to outscore Patrick Mahomes. And to outscore Patrick Mahomes, you're going to need as many weapons and bullets in your gun in that fight to try to stay with them. And I think what we saw last year is, okay, I like that they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. I like that replacement of John Brown. I like John Brown a lot, but I actually went back and watched the 2015 NFC championship game between the uh, Panthers and the Cardinals. And lo and behold, I forgot about this. John Brown was on the Cardinals in that game and he disappeared in that game too. And that's what has happened for him in big moments and big games. Go back to last year, the Houston Texans playoff game. Where was John Brown? Duke Williams got 10 targets. If you're John Brown in that scenario, you step up and you say you want the ball. So I go into this, this process. And if it's Elijah Moore or Kadarius Tony or Terrence Marshall, I saw somebody comment about him in the, in the uh, chat, who's going to come in here and bring that kind of dog mentality that they like to talk about and add another layer to this thing, because this is a wide receiver driven attack. And I know Emmanuel Sanders, there's, there's high hopes for him. I like the move. Gabriel Davis in year two, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, Jake Kumaro, even there's a ton of names out there. But if you can bring in another big time playmaker that kind of has that badass mentality to him, I like that idea. Because I think that Stefan Diggs, as much of a leader as he is, I think he kind of thrives on that kind of mentality in other players. He's talked about it in Josh Allen, getting another guy in the receiving room. And I know Sanders is that guy, but he's 34. Getting another young guy like that, that you can pair with Diggs for the next couple of years is interesting. So I get, kind of want your thoughts on that. Another name also that I want to mention, um, if we're talking best player on the available, Trayvon Maring uh, out of TCU, the safety. Don't look now. They lost Dean Marlowe and Jordan Poyer. They can move on from him next year with just a $1 million dead cap hit. Save about $6 million on the cap. Just something to think about. I know Jordan Poyer is a fan favorite. Uh, just something to think about.
1: Going back to your point, Matt, about um, you know bringing in a wide receiver and bringing in more weapons uh, for Josh Allen, the, the beauty about the way that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have built the roster and the guys they've been able to bring in and the veterans they've been able to bring in is the way this offense has been able to evolve and this passing attack has been able to just completely explode. They can afford to draft. A, a guy like this, where you know they don't need to get a you know a guy that's going to come in and have that pressure of trying to be that that number one wide receiver. They already have a ton of weapons around Josh Allen. They already have you know their core group of receivers and guys that he's comfortable with and things like that. So they can the way that this is gone, they can afford to bring in a guy that you know might it was not going to have that pressure to perform and and do all these things right away. You know, a guy that can maybe sit back a little bit, get acclimated and, you know, build him up as time goes over. So um, that that's, that's really what I like about if they do go that route, if they were to stay here, um, there's not that pressure to bring someone in and need him to do all these different things right away.
3: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And one other wide receiver, Rondale Moore, blazing speed in the four twos, uh, return ability, did kick and punt return. So he's another player that's there, I believe, on the board. So wide receiver makes sense. You could talk about the different defensive positions. Uh, but at the end of the day, if, if I'm going just best player available, I'm going to go back to Caleb Farley. Talent aside, I'm willing to take that risk.
4: All right, so everybody put your final uh, card on
0: the table. Who's everybody taking? All right, um, I'm Farley.
1: Yeah, I'll go back to Farley.
0: And I'm gonna stick with Elijah Moore. Uh let's let's go get it. I'm, who who doesn't like to see five hundred points a season? Let's go for it again. Josh? Is it Farley? or no? Farley. Who did you see? Yeah. Farley? Is it
2: yeah, yeah, I go Farley. You know, yeah, and this is just a random thought. We're going on and on and on, so I might as well do it, do it as well. <laughs> yeah, of course, when you, get, when you get how many five talkers in the room, this is what happens. Hey, you know, you, know, you were talking, uh, Ryan, you might have mentioned, you know, the possibility of, you know, maybe trading back into the second round, letting a team come up and get that extra year, you know, on a contract. John Scott, this is a guy that you're familiar with. Uh, Davis, the interior offensive lineman for Ohio State, man, is an absolute mauler i love that guy and i know that it's it's probably not the sexy pick you know it's not etn and it's not a wide receiver and it's not a cornerback but you could do a lot worse than trading back maybe into the second round and picking up an interior offensive lineman that quite frankly i'm not sure
0: he doesn't start maybe week one he's that good yeah the more the more i have gotten into the draft over the past few years frankly and especially again the way the the roster is currently built i actually think day two is really where your team is made and i think you're, you're getting maybe first round talent that fell for whatever reason and you or positionally the value just isn't there to take them in the first round so i agree and the bills they don't need all of these extra rookies. They they don't need to fill and back end the roster that way. So whether it's trading back and accumulating some picks in rounds two or three or moving up to make sure you get the guy that you want, the more I do these mock drafts, that's kind of where I fall because yeah, you can get a player here that that'll be good, but we just rattled off four or five cornerbacks that we think we'd be comfortable with them taking In the second round or four or five wide receivers, I'd be comfortable with them taking in the second round here. So you can maybe trade back and address both positions uh, by maximizing the value here. So I think trade from a big baller bean is big time in play here.
1: That's a nice thing about what we've seen and how we've seen Brandon Bean handle these drafts over the past couple of years is that um, he's not afraid to go up and get his guy. But then also he he's kind of he can also say, all right, you know, I'm not going to force it. And if it's not there, then we'll trade back. Um, So that's the nice thing about what we've seen him do is he's pretty he's been very consistent in that regard of not forcing picks, but also being aggressive when the guy they want is sitting there.
4: All right, so it looks like the consensus here is. Let me just throw this out there, and I know that he.
1: <laughs> the
4: consensus is Caleb Farley. Hear, and hear me
1: out. Hear me out.
4: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that selection, but here's one name that I think is interesting enough to mention, and I also want to throw in a Kadarius Tony. I, I I might consider him. I know Elijah Moore's you know, the hype around him seems to be growing. Where I almost feel like him and Tony are kind of doing this as that like, kind of in different ways, one's going up, one's going down. And, um, what, what am I doing here with my hands? Um, so, but I'm going to take, because I, I, I liked all of your arguments, uh, the Caleb Farley, I think that's the highest upside player that you could take. I know the injury concerns, but they've taken chances on injury concerns before. I mean, Mitch Morris is a perfect example the latest, uh, in, in a lot, in a few of those instances, Gregory Rousseau, edge rusher out of Miami. So one of the big knocks on him is that the most of the winning that he did uh, the year that he played in 2019 before he opted out this last year was on the interior when he went up against college guards and who obviously, you know, that's where, you know, big six, seven, I think I believe is how tall he is huge frame, huge body athleticism for days. I know he didn't test well at the pro day, but he's somebody that like, depending on how a team evaluates him, how those conversations go, there's enough there with the production and with the just measurables, if he sizes up in, in the meeting rooms at all, we've seen these bills embedded in the past. I wouldn't be surprised that if he's available, that they go, I, I know that some fans, I don't think would be thrilled with that. That's and, a name and I, I have written well down too. too. That's a name
1: but, I have written down too.
4: Well, great minds think of like Heather. So I'm not surprised at all about that development. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, final thoughts. We went with uh, with uh, Caleb Farley. Uh, I, I do think at the end of the day that'll be a pretty um, celebrated or, or uh, you know, a highly approval
0: rating pick if, if this is the situation and that's the way that they go. And they don't – he doesn't have to play initially. If, we're, if there's concerns, at least in the short term, about the back injury and almost would he need a red shirt? I mean, we haven't gotten the second medical check on him yet. You have Levi Wallace, you have Dane Jackson. They're clearly comfortable if that is what they have to roll into training camp with to duke it out uh, and potentially platoon as we've seen the past couple of years. And then that could allow Farley to rehab as much as he needs to. And again, it goes back to my point that they don't have any need at this specific point. Whoever they draft really doesn't have... A clear, actually does not have a clear path to play. I mean, they're going to have to be better than someone that's on this roster. So, so it allows Brandon Bean, if he wants, to take a higher risk, whether it's medical, whether it's developmental. Uh, I, I think that there, this is the type of place you can do it. And, and the, the names we have been throwing around here for the past 15, 20 minutes are, are all fit that mold.
1: Yeah.
3: And, and, you know, with Trey White having a, a very large salary for the foreseeable future, it's never a bad idea to have your opposite cornerback on a rookie contract. So that way you're not too top heavy at the position. I know there's a lot of Dane Jackson fans, but it was a small sample size. Uh, you can also play him on the inside too. That's one thing that when he was drafted, they said he had the versatility to play inside outside. So There is even still be a possibility for him to contribute this uh, upcoming season. If they did go cornerback early, he could be on that inside uh, slot cornerback role competing there.
4: There has been a lot of talking tonight, and I've appreciated you guys carving out over an hour on a Wednesday night to do it all. Uh, we got a big show coming up uh, next week, as we we, uh, mentioned at the top of the hour. Another big draft show. You can watch it on Channel 4. Uh, what else you guys got going on over at uh, 4 that you want people to know about, Josh and Heather? To-
2: uh, I got a sports cast in an hour, and if it's not ready to go, I'm going to be in trouble. So let's start there. Let's start with that. Matt Perino saying, yeah, we'll be done at 9 o'clock. No worries. <laughs> All right, so on that- Did you
1: actually think that was no, going to happen, though?
2: Not with, not with the talkers in this group. I was
4: like, no way. We're out of here. All right, on that note, we're going to kick Josh from the stream so he can get to work. And, see you guys, uh, that was fun.
2: That
1: was a good you. time. I'll, wrap, I'll, I'll, I'll handle it. I'll, I'll wrap right, up our, our coverage. Um, yeah, so we have our, uh, our web uh, BKL draft show where it's going to be very similar to actually what we just did here. Um, it's going to be Matt, you'll be joining us, me, Josh, Sal Capaccio, Tim Graham from The Athletic. Uh, who am I missing? Thad. Thad, Thad Brown. Thad. Yep. Yeah, Thad from Rochester. So we'll be doing the that. He'll Welfast some Yeah. Oh, yeah. He always does. We have a dad joke in here uh, a couple times as well. So we'll have that next Wednesday. That is at 7.30. Man. Nice. Seven seven thirty.
4: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with whatever you said. I'm horrible. I apologize.
1: Saying. I believe it's seven thirty. I can't, can't remember if it's seven or seven thirty. I believe it's seven thirty though. Um, it'll be our web special. So look for that on social media. Um, then the following week we have our show the night before the draft, where you guys will be out there. Um, and then the Sunday, the day after the draft wraps up on May second, we'll have our draft recap show. So we got a lot going on. Um, still have our prospect profiles, uh, during our sports cast, So tons of stuff coming up as you know, as this thing gets rolling.
4: Heather Prusak, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome.
4: We're going to go one by one and we're just going to uh, kick them all off. Yeah, you we- got anything else for us, John? What, what do you got coming up?
0: Right. Well, uh, yeah, I do daily prospect profiles, uh, leading up to the draft. So we're about midway or so in, and, and I like to, try to crescendo towards as we approach the draft guys that I think are maybe more in play than, than others. So uh, the next what week and a half here is where we'll hopefully, you know, hit some of the names of probably the ones that a lot of them we've just been discussing this evening. So that's daily Uh, Thursdays. uh, We do a Facebook live and tomorrow uh, Kevin Carroll on vacation. So I decided to double book. I have Jim Nagy, the executive director Mm. of the senior bowl, He's also doing work with ESPN leading into the draft. He'll join me uh, as well as our guy, Jordan Reed from the draft network. Uh, so uh, a, a double feature uh, that, that is anything better than uh, having Kevin in there with me. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I'll be in Cleveland for the uh, the draft starting Wednesday. Oh,
4: well, she's back. <laughs> Imagine
0: that. So, uh, so yeah, uh, just, uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about, The names we've talked about, uh, look at Twitter, and I'll I'll throw out the profiles every day.
4: Beautiful. Thanks, buddy. All right. All right. So we're going to get out of here shortly, but before we do, Ryan, a couple things. We've got some housekeeping stuff. I saw some questions in the comments section uh, I wanted to to address real quick. And first of all, our buddy over at NJ.com, Mike K, put out a fun little story, Mm. uh, I believe it was yesterday, about a trade scenario where the Bills move out of pick – 30 in a situation where they move back a couple picks and instead of getting more capital, they get 37. The Eagles get 30 and the bills get Zach Ertz. So initial impressions of that kind of move, is that enough value? I I tweeted out initially that I thought, okay, this is an interesting move for the bills. One that I think makes a lot of sense under the right scenario, depending on who's there and, and things like that. The more I thought about it, the more I'm wondering if that might not be enough if I'm Brandon Bean to want to do that, especially considering you're going to probably have to pay. They can restructure that deal. We'll get into that, but you're probably going to have to pay Zach Zach Ertz, and that's part of it.
3: Yeah, one, you would have to want Zach Ertz and uh, the current contract. Two, you'd want to be open to extending him because it would make no sense to make that trade without uh, an extension in place. You have some tight ends. Dawson Knox has that athletic skill set. Jake Kapalister came in uh, as a free agent this year. Uh, he has that relationship with Josh Allen from their days at Wyoming. There's still Tommy Sweeney on this roster. So it really depends on where they feel they're at at tight end. In terms of talent level, though, if they think that he is a piece that gets them closer to the Super Bowl, to being able to defeat the Chiefs, then I think it is enough because you add another weapon on offense, you're only moving down seven spots from 30 to 37 and, and when you think about it we just named four wide receivers four cornerbacks that we that we liked at each position one of them would be there at 37 and obviously the bills could be, be looking at edge rushers like a Rousseau uh or a jason Oway. uh so there's still options available to them offensive lineman interior uh tackle you know whatever the, whatever the case may be there's options so i like it if the Bills still feel the need to add a tight end.
4: I agree with you there. And I think that just the scenario that we were just looking at in this mock draft is enough for me to probably say no on it, the more I've thought about it. Because as much as we were both in the Zach Ertz, um, uh, you know, supporting that idea of trading for Zach Ertz, if you thought it would be something that would really upgrade this offense, I just, I don't see it being that big of a difference maker to the point where he's going to warrant, like, I almost feel like if you pay a guy like that, like whatever the the restructure looks like, they're probably gonna have to extend him. You, you, you almost feel like you got to get him the ball. And if they don't get him the ball, if it's a Dawson Knox situation where he underwhelms in any way, you almost wonder if you probably should have just taken the draft picks, whatever it ends up being and taking your shot shot in the draft where you can go and draft and develop and go through this whole process again. So I think that's an, an interesting um, premise of a move, but I think Philadelphia kind of, I think shot themselves in the foot here with this whole scenario. And I think eventually it's going to come to the point where there aren't really any suitors for Zach Ertz under the, under that kind of contract. And if they have to end up cutting him or if they truly are happy with going into the season and having him beat on the roster, that's fine too. But if they cut him, you could probably sign Zach Ertz to a much more affordable deal. Once it's kind of, known that there wasn't a huge market for him to begin with. Another uh, piece of news that I want to get to, and then a couple of announcements, back and forth, back and forth. Yesterday, the Mark Pollenkars made big news uh, saying that it was going to be you're vaxxed or you're not getting in the building next season. Um, then Governor Cuomo came out today and said, I don't know if uh, Mr. Poloncarz should have said what he said. We're not there yet. You put up a story on it. I just want to get some of our reactions here to it. Um, listen, I, I'm a I'm a big supporter of of people getting vaccinated. You know, I, I've spent a lot of time talking to my we have two we have a doctor friend. I, I have my own personal doctor. I've spent a lot of time, you know, having discourse on what it means to get vaccinated. I'm a big believer in it, but that's my take on it, right? I'm not expecting that to be everybody else's take on it. And I think one of the big takeaways from yesterday is. I just think we all just need to die. We don't get too much into this stuff too often. But, like, the thing that I hate seeing, Ryan, is I hate seeing the negativity and the just the pressure that people put on other people with, you know, the intensity of their arguments when I think sometimes it's okay to step back and realize, like, listen, we don't even know what's going to happen yet. We don't, to Cuomo's point today, we don't know where we're going to be in four months or what this thing is going to look like. That was a plan that was laid out, but that's not instituted yet. And it was interesting. Channel 4 put out an interview with Jackie Walker where they talked to a, a legal expert. And there and there might be some hurdles to the state or the county trying to put it in something like this. So we don't even know if we'll get there. So be kind to each other because guess what? At the end of the day, media, fans, players, we all want to be in that building. Like that's 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 our life, you know, it, uh, mine and yours, a ton because we do this th- seven days a week, three sixty five. I think just one of my big things moving forward is, and I don't get very political on social media anymore. I did, I have at times, and I will still for things that I truly really believe in and I want to get behind, but I want to focus more on just the positivity and just helping people have a good experience there because. You know, it could be a toxic place. And I think if we can all do our little part, I know I don't want to be preaching here, but I just, <laughs> I believe in it. I just think that it will make for a better experience. And I, and I've just seen a lot of people in Bill's mafia tweeting about, you know, being bullied, feeling like they're being bullied and, you know, just the negativity of it. And, you know, it's just some heartbreaking stuff in a heartbreaking year. And so just, just be good to each other when you can.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, I joked yesterday about the situation I Said I'm going to go check in on Twitter about see how the Bills Mafia is doing. And I shared that community uh, gif with with Troy coming in with the pizza and there's fire and there's fighting and there's all this going on. He's like stunned, like what what's happened in these last few minutes. And that's what it was like yesterday. It, it was pretty ugly at times. A, a lot of personal attacks for opinions. Uh, you know, you might be ground in on a stance on this and that's okay but listen to the other side listen to the reasons that they may have for it it's okay to have a conversation that ends with well we agree to disagree but i'm at least happy to hear your viewpoint you can you can be a firm believer one way or the other but it doesn't have to lead to those personal attacks
4: okay a couple announcements now that we've gotten the serious stuff out of the way and no, uh, it, was, it was a topic that was very, very you know heavily discussed yesterday, so I wanted to bring it up in the show. A couple things going on. Again, this is a, a celebratory episode, one year of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. The new shirt is in from Mr. Del Reed himself. I went and picked it up. I'm going to put out a picture of that next week. Uh, we took a picture together over at the uh, 26 Shirts headquarters when I picked it up. We're going to be doing a pre-draft Zoom. Uh, the idea generated by our good buddy Brad, uh, great listener of the show, friend of the show. Uh, we always talk to him on social media uh, and he enjoyed last year's, we had a pre-draft zoom call with, you know, people that wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, it kind of takes you deeper into the you know conversation a little bit. We can be a little bit more relaxed and calm and cool and interactive with you guys talking to you. So we're going to open up that next week. So if you're interested in joining a zoom chat, not only are we going to talk bills and we're going to talk about a ton of different things, there's going to be swag that uh, is going to be up for grabs. So any, and we have, we'll have some fun ideas with that as well. Uh, I got to get the, the shirt out to Ryan. We'll do that in, in our editor as well. Um, so that was a big announcement. Also, big show next week. And we were talking about it before the show today, Ryan, as I was driving back from Corning. Um, Corning is about a two and a half hour drive. It's it's, it's not an easy trip, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to, to, to have done what I did. Um, Doug Flutie. We're going to have Doug Flutie on the show next week. Super excited about it. He launched a podcast recently. We're going to have him on the show. We're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about Josh Allen. We're going to talk about his show. We're going to talk about a ton of different things with him next week. We're trying to line up a day. It might not be Wednesday, but we're going to have multiple shows next week anyway because I want to do another one of these mock drafts. I'm going to start hopefully pulling in beat reporters from other markets. One in particular who's already signed on, Mike K. Uh, from philadelphia who brought up that great uh trade, trey will bring him in and then also uh will bring adam hill back to the show from vegas i know fans loved him last night that that will get things going and i have a few other names uh, in the docket but i look like it to be like it was tonight and uh you know that kind of uh energy so i hope you enjoyed the show ryan final thought before we get out of out of here
3: Final thought: I was Team Flutie growing up. My brother was Team Johnson, so I'm going to shame him right now as we as we approach having Doug Flutie on the show next week. Uh, I was clearly right in that argument, so uh, well, I'm going looking... to have to own
4: up to it right Uh-oh. at the start that I was Team Johnson, and it's going to be it's going to be awkward, but you know what? I was always taught that you got to stand up and accept when you were wrong and admit when you were wrong, so I'm going to do that.
3: Breaking news: Doug Flutie has canceled that. No. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's awesome. <laughs> uh, you know why I was Team Johnson Cam Greasy? Um, because I was sold a fake bill of goods. Is really what happened. I was sold that this they traded for him and he was going to be the future of the franchise, and I bought into that. And I, I, at that stage of my life, I was very young. I just I felt like he you clung to him. And there's been a ton of those kinds of guys over the years for the Bills, unfortunately for those fans. And for whatever reason I didn't dig in, but the thing about Flutie is man, like he was one of the first real guys that I felt like changed the like, dynamic of the game and opened up so many different like opportunities for other different kinds of players and made, I think coaches and, and players see the game differently and what potential, There was at the quarterback position with the ability to run and just the way that he played the game and the energy, like going back and watching the highlights. We'll get into all of that. Uh, We've gone way too long already. For Ryan Talbot, (laughs) I am Matt Perino. We will see you next week. Take care, everyone.